to episode 32 of the Brosian Detroit Pistons podcast. It is Tuesday, February 21st, and Alex and I are trying to muster the energy to have a podcast about the depressingly mediocre Pistons. Uh, we haven't had one in a while, and uh, it, that, to be honest, that's that's why. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we're, we've it's just been such uh, an up and down slog, um, and then there's been all this. Um, kind of lukewarm trade rumors where we it's leaking out that you know we're we might trade reggie jackson for ricky rubio we might trade reggie jackson to uh the orlando magic for a ridiculously terrible package we 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 might not trade reggie jackson at all and um so we're recording this on a tuesday night and the the nba trade deadline is thursday afternoon so uh, we're, we're at serious risk of being overtaken by events here, but we've got some uh, plans that make it hard to record something right after the trade deadline. So we're uh, we're gonna we don't know about any trades that have happened unless yeah, they happen while we're recording here. Yeah, and hey, if our if our episode becomes obsolete because we make a move that will be exciting for us, then I won't worry too much about it. Um, on the other hand, some of these trade rumors that are out there are pretty un, uninspiring and. Uh, would kind of force us to admit that Reggie Jackson. We don't think Reggie Jackson will ever be good again. Um, so why don't we just why don't we just start right there? Um, I, I think. I mean, we could just we should just like read Zach Lowe's article to our listeners right now if you haven't read it yet because it was such a good. Honestly, like I watch a lot of games. He sees things I don't see. He writes about the Pistons better than any of the local reporters. He probably does that for every team, sports team, which is why he's uh, such a big shot in the NBA writing. But. One thing that was really interesting to me about his article was uh, in him talking to the staff that it was kind of openly acknowledged that Reggie Jackson is not the same as he was and that that is why we're struggling. Like, And also that we have to hide him on other defenders. He can't just guard their point guard if, if they're good on offense and, and things like that. And he hasn't been had the same explosiveness on offense. And if you take into account that he was our most important offensive player uh, and he's not good enough to penetrate anymore and then our defense has been really really bad since he got back then we're in a pretty that's where that's where you get kind of our um the rest of the talent on our team can keep us afloat at just barely around 500 depending on who's injured at the moment and you kind of get our mediocrity yeah i think that about sums it up i mean we're we're currently sitting in the eighth spot um uh we have two more wins and the same number of losses as the Bucks who are in the ninth spot, then Miami Heat are coming on. There are a couple games behind us, and they seem to be unstoppable lately. Um, the uh, 538.com has their ELO-based projections. Um, that, that's some sort of uh, team rating system that's, I think, used in soccer a lot. Somehow they've adapted it to basketball. And they say uh, 57% chance we make the playoffs Another rating system by BasketballReference.com uh, has a little more optimistic based on our point differential and our current record says uh, close to 69% chance we make the playoffs. So it's a little better than 50-50 that we make the playoffs, which you know was our goal this year. Is it, We said coming in, hey, if we can make the playoffs and win a couple of the playoff games in the first round, uh, that would be an improvement. Yeah, but and, yeah. And we, I- I think we wanted moves, to have hope to get to the second round, and uh, I don't know if I see that. 
Yeah, I think that was predicated on being the seventh, sixth, or maybe even like, wow, the fourth seed that being, you know, it's kind of getting in the conversation for that. And that's out of, that's off the table. And even before on our last episode, we were saying that we, we, you know, the East is a lot worse this year. So we have a shot at getting the eighth seed. And that would still be sort of exciting to me if I felt like everything was going to come together and Reggie Jackson would be back to his old self so that we could really look really good in the playoffs. But if the reality is that we're just not as even as good as we were last year because of Reggie Jackson, Jackson's injury. Uh, and also we have him on this big contract. We've we made a big bet on him and he's not going to be very good anymore. Then that's where, I, that, that's where my kind of uh, lack of energy for the Pistons comes from more than anything else. I think. Yeah, I, I think, you know, lack of energy, lack of enthusiasm is understandable given just how up and down we've been. We haven't gone on a particularly good winning or losing streak where um, we, we had a really great win at Toronto. We've had some uh, some disappointing losses. But we are only, you know, we're in the eighth seed and we're only two games behind Indiana who uh, in the loss column that has the sixth seed. So we could finish anywhere really between 6th and 10th without having our trajectory change too much. Um, so, you know, going on a little run here would be exciting if, if perhaps we'll make a trade in the next couple of days or maybe Reggie's knee will start feeling better or maybe something else about our chemistry will click into place. We it was um, There was a surprising amount of talk about um, team turmoil and our um, – some players only meeting where people were yelling at Reggie Jackson and stuff uh, uh, coming out a couple weeks ago. Um, you know, maybe we could, ju- you know, the, the esprit de corps could improve and, or just something, some tactic that we change. Uh, Andre Drummond starts hitting his hook shots or stops taking so many hook shots. I mean, just any number of things could change and we could just get a little better. I guess we have one of the easier schedules remaining. So, you know, better than 50-50 odds we make the playoffs. And yeah, there is some hope. It's just, it, it, you know, you, your emotions are are based on kind of the team being heroic, not just like some sort of spreadsheet of, well, our point differential is a little better than zero. So, you know, hooray. Uh, so I, I guess I can talk us into um, the hope in the sense that we're going to make the playoffs uh, better than 50-50. But, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm not going to be – uh, hanging any new posters on my wall. Yeah, and I, I think I've just found myself, um, you know, I think we're, we're definitely optimists and we'll, we'll, we, we've watched the Pistons to the thick and thin. And maybe what's tough is that we got such a, t- we got a taste of real hope that was shared by uh, the wider NBA community in the offseason. Uh, and I, I guess I, I can't get too gritty with that. But, you know, I was on a, a trip with some friends and my, fellow Pistons fan and friend Mookie was really kind of laying into Reggie Jackson and I was defending him and he said, no, really look at his defense. And like, he has been a problem. And, and that was even before Zach Lowe's uh, post came out. So uh, good call there. Uh, so I, I think people, I, I was trying to overlook and say things, Oh, things will be fine. And really Reggie Jackson hasn't had a shot since he's gotten back. But at this point we've had, uh, you know, a lot of games and even uh, six games at full strength since, um, John Luer has come back, and, and KCP has come back full. Have come back full strength, and we're not really much better. We're we're 500. Um, our defense is showing a little bit of signs of improvement in the last six games. Uh, our, our defensive rating is almost as back to where it was before. I mean, actually, it's, it's back down, off to ninth in the league now, uh, down from like 
you know, 27th for a while when Reggie first got back. So there's, there's a couple of signs that we can look for here or there, but um, I'm having, I'm having hard, I'm having a hard time um, with a straight face saying that the Pistons could really uh, have a shot at winning the first round of the playoffs. And that's really what I think would be exciting on the trajectory. What could end up happening is that we hang in there we make the playoffs again. We lose to the Cavs. Maybe we get, we get a moral victory by taking one game from them. And then next year is the game, the season where we really start to get serious and maybe get to the position where, um, you know, some someone like Boston who really is surprising people this year with how good they are. Uh, and, you know, that, that was kind of the hopes that I think we, that a lot of people had for the Pistons. Yeah, I think, I think that's about right. I mean, we're, uh, the reason it's so disappointing, even though a couple of years ago, we would have been really glad to be in the playoff hunt. It's, it's sort of like if you, if you go and you buy all the ingredients and you follow the recipe and somehow the dish just like doesn't come out quite right because of, I don't know, you, like you, you just slightly overcooked it or you, you followed the timing too closely and you don't really know what you're doing. We're, uh, we have above average players, average or above average players at, at most positions. We have depth. Um, we have pieces that fit together, talents that fit together pretty well, a good pick and roll ball handler and finisher, um, uh, a coach who knows what he's doing. We should be better than this. We, if we had good chemistry, we would be good. And, we, you know, we're going long stretches of the season being a top 10, top five defense. Um, and then with, with the kind of average to above average offensive players we have, it's like, what well, I just don't understand what's going wrong. And, and we, we don't have the X's and O's acumen to really break it down. But, you know, you see little glimpses here and there of people, you know, pointing out that Andre Drummond's posts aren't going too well. Uh, Reggie doesn't look quite the same turning the corner uh, to get to the basket uh, with his after his knee injury. We just don't know if that's permanent. It's it just it, this lack of knowledge is, a, is another real killer here. It's like we, we, we just don't know why their dish isn't coming out how it's supposed to. Well, I mean, there there have been a couple of things that I've noticed that also Zach Lowe wrote about, um, and I hope we can add some insight beyond just enumerating what, all of his points from that piece. But is is that um, our offense seems to really play off our defense, and when we can really move the ball quickly, uh, we, and before defenses can, can get set, then we can end up moving the ball around and getting an open three and making it. But too often, if if we if if after they score and we go down and try to do a set play, um, Reggie Jackson. Uh, can't seem to really penetrate as well and disrupt their offense. People seem to have that and or people seem to have figured out the pick and roll a little bit where we, we rarely see a, a, a lob, a credible lob threat to Drummond. So we end up either dishing it into Drummond to take a perhaps ill-advised shot. And I don't, he always, he turns to, he turns to the baseline way too often. And, and um, or, or, we, or we end up with like a, like a, a kind of jab step shot from, Marcus Morris for a long two, and he's just good enough at those that it's okay. But it's just not gonna. You're not gonna have an efficient offense with those kind of shots. Or you know, and Tobias Harris can make his own offense sometimes. Um, KCP can have some really good games, but then he can have some really bad games. He's not quite enough of a knockdown shooter to you know, and he can't really create his own shot. So if we don't really have penetration and disruption to the offense, we don't really seem to have you know get things going in a way that. Uh, can really do much. So if if we're really not playing well on defense, then we can just look terrible. And I think that's why when our defense wasn't playing well, we just really looked awful for a little while there. 
Yeah, it, and we're this is the worst our offense has been um, relative to the rest of the league. Uh, just you know, our our offensive rating compared to the league average since Van Gundy got here, um, and actually since Lawrence Frank was coach of the team. I was just looking, and yeah, it, uh, that was a really good insight that Lowe pointed out. That you know, we we do well in transition. That's why Van Gundy's always telling us to to get going after a defensive rebound. Yeah, so our half court offense, we've got these these guys that are decently talented. But we did, we break down into Marcus Morris jab steps. I mean Tobias Harris. It's like he looks so good sometimes. He can do um, he he can catch and you know do a show and go real quick or, or get a, get up a good shot. But then you look at his overall numbers and he just kind of has an average usage rate and um, he's decently efficient. But he just kind of seems to be Mister Average in every way. Um, which is which is okay, you know. It's like it's not like we're paying him a max contract, but he's young, and we're you know I had hopes that he could grow into a secondary go-to guy, and then you know the chemistry that uh, Lowe talked about in his article with Reggie Jackson and the rest of the team is really interesting. Where we were all pick and roll last year, and this year we we got kind of a motion offense thing going, um, moving the ball around a lot with when Reggie was out. And now we kind of have an oil and water thing going with, uh, with in terms of you know how, what our philosophy is on offense, and that's not good. That that I wonder if that comes down to to coaching. I mean, how how can how can we not you know have a plan? How how can we not have all the players on the same page? We're in our third year. I understand we had this long stretch with Reggie out, but um, uh, it, it's just hard to understand how, why we how we can't have a have a plan and have um, some tricks to to keep our offense flowing. Uh, I but we're really as fans here. There there might be some like expert or scout or coach based analysis that could be done to break it down. But you know I'm not capable of doing that. I, I just don't know what I'm seeing. And it's hard to it's hard to feel like our team has been most exciting this year when we're led by Ish Smith. Uh, we were pretty good before Reggie came back, and one of the most exciting games of the year was two games ago against Toronto when we – I actually turned the game off at halftime because we were down by like 25, and I, I, someone texted me later that evening and said, wow, that was a great finish for the Pistons. I said, well, what happened? I turned it on, and we had a 30-point comeback. It turns out we had that 30-point comeback with uh, you know Reggie Jackson and um, Tobias Harris on the bench. Uh, and, no, no, I think John Lure on the bench, and, and Ish Smith was just really just like charging on the floor every time. And uh, so – it's hard to feel like that's our future. So uh, I've, I've seen some people just say, well, why don't we just have Reggie come off the bench and we'd, we'd be better. And it's like, well, uh, he, well, first of all, that would destroy his trade value and his confidence. We might as well just like, we might as well just like, you know, release him from his contract. We might as well just pull a Josh Smith if we're going to do that. You know, like we, we have to either really give him a shot or, or not. Yeah, c- completely. I mean, re- we saw that, that Reggie, it really is a, uh... Uh, a confidence-based player. I mean, he's like Wiley Coyote running out from the edge of the cliff. As long as he doesn't look down and realize that there's no ground under him, he can keep running. <laughs> and you know, when we when we traded for him, and they, he told the story of Stan Van Gundy calling him and saying, "You're my point guard," and then tears welled up in his eyes and stuff like that. He had his first, you know, borderline all-star caliber efficiency season last year, and he was our go-to guy in the fourth quarter. 
And he wasn't lighting the world on fire like, say, Isaiah Thomas is for the Celtics this year, but he was a, a, a legitimately good offensive player for the first time in his career for a long stretch. And then this year, you know, his knee was hurt, so that limits him physically, but then there are these chemistry problems. And, you know, his nuts just shrink back up into his body, and he and he 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 can't do it. I mean, he's not playing horribly inefficiently, but the last um, – in the last month of the uh, of the season so far, his efficiency has been okay, but his usage rate has dropped back down to like average. So I think he's just a little bit like, oh well, you know, if you guys want me to move the ball, I'll move the ball, and he and he he either can't or won't create. Um, and then you know the alternative here, going back to if Smith, oh, people you know, people were pretty excited about his Smith when we got him. Like, oh, he was exciting for the Sixers, and the and uh, the Pelicans really screwed up by getting rid of him. And the people like us were pointing out, oh, he just had a high usage rate. He was pretty inefficient. I mean, he's having the best efficiency season of his career right now. And, and that's a 103 offensive rating, which is horrendous. So, you know, he's, he's, he has an NBA skill, which is that he's really fast. Um, I think I remember hearing a DeMarcus Cousins interview with Bill Simmons last year and he just he he said his Smith was the fastest player in the league, which was which surprised him because uh, Demarcus Cousins like knows John Wall from his Kentucky days, um, and that'll keep him in the league. And he's good. He's a veteran player. He's twenty eight years old. He knows how to do what coaches want. He's been around a lot. But I mean, come on, he's a backup. He, he's you're not a good team if he's your starter. Um, and and it's just a it's just a no question. Yeah, I, I do kind of wonder about whether or not. I'm not saying he should be our starter. I, I, I do think he's a he's a he's a good backup. He was a he was a solution to one of the problems we had last year when we didn't really have a good backup. Uh, but but I do feel like our offense plays better when he's on the floor. And if it was a, from direct assist, that would show through in his offensive rating. But there's some sort of yeah. there's some sort of like hockey assist thing that isn't quite captured there. Whereas with Reggie Jackson, it's almost the opposite. Like he's managed to keep his personal numbers looking away from looking really bad, but our, our overall offense seems really stagnant when he's out there and he's the point guard. So he has an added responsibility to kind of end up with a good shot for somebody. So um, again, that contrast, you don't want to feel like, like we, we, you can't be in a position where you're advocating for Ish Smith being our starter. That's a super fair point about the how does our offense move. We you still can't have a guy with Ish's personal numbers be your starter if you want to be a good team. But the that's a that's a really fair point about how our team does and and how he you know we play in a mode where we're trying to score in transition much more than trying to grind through a half court offense. Um, so I mean let's just you know, we're near the trade deadline, trade deadline and there have been rumors swirling here. Let's just. Let's just get down to business here. I mean, should we trade Reggie Jackson? What do you think about it? Some of the rumors we've heard. Well, it sounds it sounds like the concrete options that were put forth um, seem almost like salary dumps. Like they they didn't seem like oh we're actually going to get someone good. It was something like um, trading for Ricky Rubio. What uh, was was one of the earlier ones that Van Gundy explicitly addressed and shot down. But yeah, the salary dump, the Orlando Magic. Oh yeah, the Orlando Magic one where um let me just look up what what it was. 
It was Jeff Green's expiring contract and corpse and DJ Augustine signed oh, yeah. to a so, backup so that, contract. That was a really depressing one to me. That, that would, I would almost rather take just ga- I would rather gamble that Reggie will come back to form and, and, and get back from his injury than do that one because that would basically say, well, we're we're 100% sure. Like we know something that no one else does that Reggie is screwed, will never be the same, and we're just trying to you know, salvage anything we can and then get yet another backup point guard who we used to have on our team, who we kind of traded, traded on, on route to get Reggie in the first place and DJ Augustine, another same kind of guy. He's an undersized backup point guard who has a spark on offense, but he can't be your starter. So we, we, we would be terrible on defense, terrible on defense. And then maybe that would give us some cap room to do something, but it just, it seems like a depressing thing. Ricky Rubio, um, I guess it'd be more fun to watch us play, and he might get our offense going more. But he's he's the worst shooter and the worst shooter of all maybe all starters in the NBA. And we, we're not exactly a team that's loaded with shooting talent, so it's or offensive talent. So that's a pretty hard thing to to trade. Who used to be our our best offensive player to the league's uh, worst offensive starting good player who, who makes up for it and other things. Although Ricky Rubio is a really good defender. And that might just really kind of go back to our Ben Wallace days identity of just like being good by scoring 90 points per game but only allowing 83 or something like that. <laughs> yeah, boy, that that would really be zigging when the league is zagging uh, there. Uh, you, you know, we're, it, it'd be like uh, you know in the juiced baseball uh, days of when everyone was hitting home runs, going to like a bunting and, <laughs> and stealing strategy or something. But you know, we're. Yeah, I mean, Rubio. I don't know if that's on the table anymore. But I, the the during the day before Ben Gundy rebutted it, I was thinking, well, I mean, he's one of the better defenders, and and he's a very he's a special passer, and and everybody loves playing with him. So you know, maybe having a backcourt with two excellent defenders with Rubio and KCP, would and, and then having a guy who can really pass and move the ball up the floor would be great. But, I mean, that, that seems to have been shot down. And then, I mean, Rubio is not just one of the worst starters this season. I think by somebody put together some, you know, way of putting framing it where Rubio is one of the worst shooters uh, in league history <laughs> with just a combination of playing a lot of minutes but shooting below 40% from the floor. Um, so, yeah, that doesn't seem like a winner. Um, it's, it's just – so, yeah, Orlando is really hot for him apparently for some reason – um, okay, but they don't. They, you know, what they've got to that package that was mentioned. If that was just part of the deal, fine. I mean, maybe if we got a bunch of draft picks and we kind of do a mini reload, okay. But they, they have Alfred Payton at point guard, who's still on a rookie contract, competes really hard, good athlete. But his problem is he can't shoot either. And um, I think Van Gundy with a rookie point guard or r- rookie contract point guard who can't shoot. Um, you know, I would worry about his, his health, uh, and, and and I don't know if it would make our team better. But at least he competes really hard. I don't know. The, the other, you know, the, something that just came out this evening is um, that the the uh, the Lakers are interested in Reggie Jackson, but maybe they're trying to steal him. I mean, the, I was just taking a peek at their um, the contracts they have. I mean, the ones that match up with Reggie Jackson are basically. Luol Deng's making $18 million and producing nothing. So that would be a salary dump. Jordan Clarkson is a 24-year-old combo guard shooting 33% from three. I mean, that would be a total lateral move, and he, he's not a starting point guard. 
I stick with Reggie at that point. So uh, unless somebody unless somebody puts up real value, or there's something real actually exciting that happens, where we, you know we, we can get somebody somebody good. I I think I think our best option is to just ride it out with Reggie because he's not on a bad contract. He can play the minutes. He's just got to be a bit of a politician and repair the chemistry, whatever chemistry issues. I mean, we don't know what's going on inside the locker room. They, they may be keeping things under wraps and we got to get rid of them. But I just, I don't see a clear path to like getting better by trading him at this point. Well, I think it, a lot of it depends on how, how bad his injury is. I mean, if he's, one thing I don't understand is if, if he's really not better, why is he back already? Is it one of those things where like you kind of have to, keep playing to avoid getting completely out of shape if you want to have a hope of him being a part of the team in the playoffs. But um, if, if, if he really was like this, and we knew for a fact he was like this in terms of losing a step and, and being even worse on defense and being a major liability and not being able to penetrate, then maybe I, maybe it would be kind of like fire sales time. But it, it does kind of feel like that would be a, a panicky move. And we and we're not and, and uh, that would be kind of more like we're living in reality and – and, and facing the sunk cost fallacy, and, and I'm kind of hesitant to to, to want to do that. Yeah, uh, right. It, it, it's it's a little bit like that blockbuster Demarcus Cousins trade that just happened that everyone's killing the Kings for, where there was really no scenario where it made sense where where they were going to get a lot for him because either he's doing he either he's doing well and he's not a team destroying asshole, in which case you don't want to trade them. You, you want to keep them because you don't trade um, franchise centers who are lighting the world on fire with 30.15 rebound games and hitting threes. But if he is a team destroying jerk, then you can't get full value for him. And they, and they got 50 cents on the dollar for him in the trade. There was no scenario kind of gaming it out where they get equal value for him. It's the same with Reggie Jackson. If he, if he's going well, then he's a perfect fit for our team. He can be the closer, uh, scoring at the end of games. He can hit open threes, and he's a pick-and-roll threat, which matches perfectly with our best player, Andre Drummond. And if he's not playing well, then we can't get equal value for him, and we may as well hope he recovers. I mean, his knee injury is one of those nebulous things where it's like there's just this, well, he had surgery a few years ago, and there's like some inflammation, and he had a platelet-rich plasma treatment, which... I guess it's supposed to accelerate healing. So what is wrong? It's not like a torn ligament that you can just repair with surgery. It's just sort of like his knees are kind of crappy. That's kind of scary. Uh, why did this happen all of a sudden during training camp? Uh, I, you know, I don't think we know the full story. And it, it's just, I don't know what the history is with guys semi-sucking because of an inflamed knee, then coming back and being at full strength. Maybe that happens. I don't know. Yeah, and I, I actually have pretty decent faith in Van Gundy and Jeff Bauer in terms of the trades they've made. If something happens, it'll probably be something that we didn't think we, we didn't anticipate, and we'll probably get a draft pick or something and feel like, okay, this is interesting. Uh, but I, I can't see anything right now that has me saying, yes, I, I want to see that happen. I'm, I'm kind of just depressed that we're at the point where we'd even be thinking about trading Reggie Jackson. It, it would be it would almost it'd be almost as bad as if we were thinking about trading Drummond, which has come up as well. Apparently, he was on the table, uh, but yeah. I, I don't even know what's up with that. Uh, maybe I, there was rumors about that we had offered him for for Boogie Cousins, um, which you know that's the kind of return you'd want to get for Drummond is, is someone who either um, an equally promising young player or a franchise player. 
Yeah. Let, let's, so let's talk about that. Those rumors. <clears throat> Excuse me. That we um. That it keeps coming out that we're like engaging in discussions or talking about this or that. And then Van Gundy comes out, and it, this came out after the Ricky Rubio for Reggie Jackson speculation. Van Gundy is saying, yeah, I mean, teams talk to each other every day about every player, and every team is talking to each other. They're not like we're about to pull the trigger on a trade discussions. They're just due diligence, you know, figuring out what is the what is the real value of my players? What can I actually get for this guy? And it doesn't mean that you're you're about to trade the guy. And there seems to be some sort of disconnect between the way most teams – I think basically sports writers force you to posture in a certain way. And if you don't posture in the way that they're used to, they decide to turn it into a story. And they're like, oh, well, you know, they're shopping this guy. And he didn't deny it. And, you know, it sounds like they wouldn't not listen to a non-offer. <laughs> so – and then, it, you know, they're just creating clickbait. And I think it – Either we actually have been shopping Drummond in a way that most teams aren't shopping guys all the time, or sports writers are not dealing with Van Gundy's ultra straightforward look. I'm just telling it like it is nature properly, and or they're taking advantage of it to get a few more clicks and earn a few, earn a few more bucks for their site, or something's going on there because you know. There is that, oh, we almost traded him for Boogie Cousins, or we offered him for Boogie Cousins. And then it came out, and somebody else denied that today. And then, uh, you know, there's this, oh, uh, Pistons are listening to offers for Drummond. But three weeks ago, Van Gunny said, yeah, I mean, everyone calls us every day about our players. And the ones they ask about are our good players because they're the good ones. So, like, shut up. You know, (laughs) And and when I hear Van Gunny say that, it makes a lot of sense to me. But what – so – I just don't – there's something weird going on where we're not playing the game properly from a PR standpoint, and it's and it's riling things up. And I don't know if the players just tune it out or if if their agents are, are concerned about that or what. I mean, if we're unnecessarily making everyone worried about trades that are we're not actually discussing, that seems bad because it seems like it would hurt morale on the team. I, I don't know what to make of all this. Um, I hope we're not going to trade Drummond because – He's 24 years old, and he's really good. He has a 21 PER. He's probably in the top, like, 35 players in the league, and he's a, and he's under age 25. I mean, that that's a good player to have. I don't know. What, what do you think of Drummond's development? Are you, do you, are you on the, like, Drummond is disappointing, like he's not what we thought train? Well, I mean, first I, I want to echo my, my the same sense I have with the reporting about trades. I'm not really someone who who likes to speculate about all that stuff, and I do think it's just a bunch of crap. Um, the only thing I'm worried about is there was something today about Drummond had changed his Twitter profile to like, and he'd removed the name Pistons from his profile, and 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 if, if, if there's any sign there that Drummond is feeling unloved because Van Gundy is almost like Asperger's like telling it like it is. <laughs> Be like, well, what, honey? You have gained weight. It's a fact, or something like that. I mean, you just can't. Uh, um, <laughs> exactly. So, I mean, is that is that is, is that level of frankness hurting the Pistons' feeling of loyalty? Even though, the, you know, an NBA team is a business, and you are a team, and if you can't perform, then you know that you're no longer as valuable. And that's just a fact. So, I, I do worry about that. But in terms of Drummond's development, I am disappointed, but I'm not 
really disappointed. I'm not disappointed in the way or fearful in the way I am for Reggie right now. Uh, I, I think that he's basically modulo the fact that he's trying to develop a hook shot about the same as he was last year. Um, and that modulo is makes him worse because he's try he's taking shots. He's not very good at, uh, but the point you've made a number of times this, this season is that, um, is that he, you know, that, that might be a good investment if he, if he, if eventually he turns the corner and both develops a good hook shot and learns when to take it. Yeah. And there's a little more about that. Um, you know, adding some actual reporting to my like hopeful speculation that that was an investment, but in that Zach Lowe article, um, again, going back to St. Lowe, that we're, we're, um, he, he said that, that the, the Pistons are investing in his, um, he didn't use that, that word, but the Pistons are fine with him doing post-ups, but they don't want him to be ending so many possessions with hook shots. And they have told him they want him to do more, um, trying to get to the rim by backing down or facing up and then trying to get by people with his quickness. And he speculated that maybe Drummond isn't doing that because that's a good way to draw fouls and end up at the foul line. And he, you know, maybe he doesn't want to get the foul line because he's a 43.9% free throw shooter, even though that's a major improvement and takes him off the ending every quarter with a hacking strategy uh, list. It, you know, it still sucks. So, you know, it, we, we are doing we are doing post ups and and he he's doing hook shots and that's not what the coaches are telling him to do. So that's that was very interesting. There was a similar thing on defense where they said uh, I can't help but mention uh, Loman said that the, the coaches wanted Drummond to be more aggressive on hedging out on the ball handler when his when the guy he's guarding sets a pick and that he's like this rare physical specimen of a big man who can move his feet fast enough to stay in front of guards. And he's capable of that. And the coaches were quote blown away in training camp by him showing that ability, but he's not doing it. He's sagging back and acting like a normal lumbering big man because that's what he feels more comfortable with. And I also just kind of wonder, it's like, you're, you know, if you're, if he's tired or something, uh, you know, he, he's only playing 30.4 minutes a game. Stars usually play kind of just a couple more minutes, like maybe uh, one more minute per quarter or something. Uh, I think it's just, you know, we, we say all the time, being a big man's really hard and takes, it seems to take quite a lot of effort. And from a fan's perspective, it's just hard to understand. Like, why can't you do more effort for this, like, 20 minutes uh, three or four times a week? for uh three quarters of the year that doesn't seem like it's that hard but hey you know i've never been there i don't, I don't know I, I i don't have to sprint very much in my day-to-day life and maybe i would suck at it if i did but that's disappointing it is yeah and and it's one of those things where you take for granted that maybe someone can develop good habits and become more coachable and have a better work ethic but those things are traits just as much as leaping ability in some ways and i think we can't expect that I, I don't think he's like a really uh, toxic person to the team or anything bad like that, or he's like lazy, or, or I wouldn't go so far as to say that. But he, he falls short of being like an A-list effort and d- do exactly what the, the smartest coach says guy. You know, he, he has an ego. He wants to get his shots in. He wants to try to go for the shot blocks uh, instead of doing what the the most statistically smart thing to do on defense in terms of positioning himself is. Um, so that, yeah, that's a little bit tough. Uh, I also would like to see him 
you know, kind of return to his offensive rebounding beast days. Uh, I think our team is not as good, still not as good as we were last year in terms of our offensive rebounding rate. Uh, yep. Just looking comparing to last year. So, but again, it's, it's him trying to maybe take a bigger leap by being willing to take some risks. Yeah, and he still he's had a um, a twenty one or twenty two per where fifteen is league average and thirty is you're a hall of famer. Um, yeah, that's kind of borderline all star level. He's been that every year of his career, but his role has changed from a I'm just happy to be here on offense. I'll dunk it when you hand it to me near the basket to being a little bit more of a go to guy. His usage rate's a little higher, and he but he's he's twenty three years old. He could take a leap next year. He could take a leap, take a leap at age 26. He could take a leap at age 30 and be an All NBA level guy. Just he has the physical tools, and it's just something about it clicking. And and speaking of like how how does a guy get it or how does a guy do the effort? Um, there's something else I wanted to mention about about coaching and that. I've noticed a, a few things uh, since our last podcast about different coaches having different philosophies on that. Uh, Van Gundy is a big fan of the growth mindset that it has a like a, a basis in psychology and is kind of a popular idea among the TED Talk crowd, where you just always you you want to have an orientation where you always feel like you should get better, you, you figure out how to learn from failures and never be satisfied with success, and he, that can grate on people. And uh, he's had Shaq and uh, Dwight Howard at different points in his head coaching career get really pissed at, at him and, like, want to get him fired. And he was fired from uh, the Miami Heat and Orlando Magic jobs, uh, as, perhaps as a result of those. Uh, George Carl was on a book tour uh, talking about his philosophy of basketball, and he was talking a, a little bit touchy-feely, like, the ball has energy, and, like, when you're passing the ball around, everyone feels good, and then just, you know, they just get more energy, and then they work harder on defense. And George Carl was famous for being innovative on offense and not really coaching defense much. Um, and it's kind of interesting. Like Houston Rockets this year, the Phoenix Suns when Steve Nash was there, they won a lot of games, like almost literally not practicing defense at all. And just like everyone having a blast on offense and a combination of, you know, they're not missing as many shots, and so it puts you in a better position to be set on defense. And then just like if you just got to take an awesome shot and the crowd's going wild, you just have a little more juice to play well on defense. And that's just so hard to understand how that works when you can read a Zach Lowe column or he see a coach breaking it down and see like, oh, there's this like specific technical way you're supposed to guard a pick and roll and um, you need to pump cutters going through or look at look at the Memphis Grizzlies and Mark Gasol leading the defense. Everyone's tied together on a string, moving as one. So I, uh, Phil Jackson had his own philosophy, you know, the Zen master, like giving everybody a different book to read about their mentality, triangle offense. He didn't seem to get real technical on defense. Tom Thibodeau uh, has uh, some sort of big scheme-based uh, you know, genius when he ran the Boston Celtics defense, and then and then he just like yells at everybody till they work super hard. And everyone has their own way of doing it. Maybe Van Gundy's just not very good at getting the best out of people uh, or a young team or or something. He got the Orlando Magic to be an awesome defensive team to go to the finals um, with Dwight Howard and a bunch of terrible athletes. Uh, maybe I I so I don't know what my point is, but it just 
the, the, these are the pieces that I that 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 we have to work with as fans from the outside. Well, yeah, I, I kind of wonder if when the Magic made the finals, if they're like, "You're right, Stan Van Gundy, but you're still an asshole," kind of thing. And <laughs> so, like, you, you, people at best begrudgingly take his advice. Who knows what, whether that's true or not? I mean, he does seem to. He doesn't seem uh, – I was watching us play the Timberwolves and saw Thibodeau call a timeout and just lay into people. Like you could just see him like yelling and swearing at people and they're kind of – they're averting their eyes and stuff. And I, I don't see Van Gundy doing that so much. I think he's more of just like a constant squawker and that might just grate on people and people might get annoyed by him. But uh, I, I don't feel like he's – He's the worst I've seen in that sense, um, but but I know what you mean. And in terms of the philosophy goes, for better or for worse, I think the Pistons' DNA is a defensive mentality, and I think you have to be a scheme based team to do that well. You can't. I mean, you look at the Rockets right now; they have they have one of the best offensive players of the past decade on their team, and James Harden. And just like uh, you know, you you have more leeway before he had Steve Nash. Um, uh, so yeah. I think that. I think we don't have that luxury, obviously, you know. So, I mean, we have to like, kind of uh, – and, 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 you know, if, if you could bring those teams to, to play that smart and on defense, they'd probably be even better. It's just that, you know, they're lucky enough to be gifted offensively enough to, to, not, to, not, to really get away with not having to do that. Yeah, I guess uh, maybe Popovich is the, mo- the model for getting the right balance where they have an innovative offense with a beautiful scheme, a lot of ball – a movement and passing and every time anybody blows a pick and roll coverage he calls a timeout and throws his clipboard on the floor <laughs> um, and it just works and they're, they're just deadly and awesome and then they get Kawhi Leonard who's an alien from outer space who's uh, an unstoppable defensive force came out of the league a bad out of the college a bad shooter and now is like shooting 40% from three on 10 attempts per game Anyway, yeah, it's the, crazy. I, I just I, get all the luck, I guess. Yeah, Popovich seems to somehow have towed that line of of getting in people's faces, but at the right time when they know they've messed up. Um, I remember seeing him call a timeout when against us. He, I, I think it was um, who's that guy who was really good at threes, uh, the backup unit who was bad last year and got better this year. Oh, Danny Green. Danny Green, like, didn't uh, kind of fell for was closing out in a three and jumped and then followed him on a three and he called a timeout and he, and he, I saw him like, just like making some motion about you. Like he just run towards their chest. God damn it. You know? And, and, <laughs> and, and, but you know, Jeff green knew he, he had blown it, but Danny, Danny green, green. No, Danny green known he did, knew he blew it. So he didn't, you know, he, he probably didn't harbor resentment for that, but uh, yeah, who, who knows there. I, the other thing I was, I was just thinking about in terms of like, who is the problem on our team? You look around, Maybe it's the maybe the problem is that no one really is the problem. We just don't quite have enough to get it get it back together. I mean, before we were so awful that it was pretty obvious that Josh Smith was the problem, or or the mix of Josh Smith plus having Monroe and Drummond all clog in there was the problem. So it kind of felt good to just like get rid of Josh Smith and be like, all right, we got rid of this problem. But it's like, no, we don't really have a problem. It'd be pretty stupid to get rid of any player on our team because everyone's pretty good. But yeah. we don't collectively we don't come together to be good enough. So it's just a tough position to be in. So maybe there is some trade where you actually do get rid of, you are willing to give up some combination of good players. KCP's a good player. Uh, Tobias Harris is a good player. John Lure is a very solid player. Um, and, yeah. you know, it's a Drummond. Maybe, you know, let's say we traded Drummond 
and Tobias Harris, and then got an All Star and a first round pick or something like, yeah, you know, maybe I'd, maybe I'd be excited about that. But like, I don't see who's doing that. Yeah, I think that's a good point. That you know, maybe we could just do like a addition by subtraction or something. I think I think you know when you were saying no one's the problem, but kind of no one's the solution. You know, it's almost like we have a band that we got together, and everyone's talented musicians, but you look around and it's a bunch of rhythm guitarists and bassists, and like. <laughs> You know, so you you in order to have that really work, you have to have just have a perfect execution and philosophy. You know, you end up like uh, I don't know enough about music to bring that analogy on home. But, you know, we're we're, we're, uh, so that's what I guess that's consistent with what we've been saying about that. We're only going to go as high as Andre Drummond takes us. I think we're just kind of waiting around until he takes he decides to. Uh, do what he needs to do on both offense and defense in terms of making the right decisions. And again, he's young enough that he he really might change that. I guess I, I think the one kind of obvious roster imbalance thing we have here is we do have too many forward, like combo forwards. Stanley Johnson, Tobias Harris, and Marcus Morris all are guys who can play the small forward and power forward. And John Luer is a power forward as well, who's good. So that's just kind of like too many power forwards and small forwards and we, we we probably could stand to just like get rid of one of them and get a better shooting guard who can actually shoot. We've got a bunch of like 33, 32 to 35% three-point shooters, and you kind of need to have one or two 38 to 40% three-point shooters to open up the space on offense. So something like that is probably the kind of marginal move that might unlock some things, but I mean, I don't know. What do I know? You did mention Stanley Johnson. He has not been awful recently, so that's a wild. And he seems to have, be getting some playing time again. Uh, there was a little bit of buzz about maybe some some people being interested in him. So the Spurs and, were interested in stealing him from us, which which makes me think, okay, man, let's keep him. Like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know. So maybe we should wrap it up here. I think we've kind of done a good job commiserating passionately. Uh, I, I, I'm still a Pistons fan. I, I just I got my hopes up so high this year. I, I wanted to see I wanted to see us like I wanted to see us like where, where Washington is right now. To be honest, like oh surprisingly good. They're not going to they're not going to win the East. They're not going to win the championship. But oh surprisingly good. They must be excited over there in DC right now. I, I kind of thought we had a shot at being like that this year. And alas, we're not. Uh, I don't. I'm not holding out hopes that we're going to still pull something out. Um, we'll probably be at the eighth seed and win anywhere from zero to one playoff games this year. And that's just the way it is. But Hey, we'll, uh, we'll, we'll, we'll keep coming back to you all. And thanks for listening. <laughs>